Ride from our Life in the Slow Lane collection. He was a bank manager, a little short in the height department and a little heavy on weight. But his ruddy complexion and twinkling blue eyes introduced his personality in a burst of joie de vie. She was a personal assistant, tall, statuesque and attractive, but bitterly aware that the best years were behind her, and without him, a life of single old age yawned ahead. They hadn't been together long, less than a year, and they bickered constantly. Then, on New Year's Eve, it turned into a deep, cavernous harangue. It was the 50th National Jazz Convention, being held on the splendiferous campus of Melbourne University. Since Christmas Day, the grounds had been ringing with happy jazz music, much appreciated by the thousand-plus happy jazz lovers. Tonight was the final night, the New Year's Eve party. It was always the icing on a cake that had been well and truly devoured during the week. The jazz lovers, already sated with dusk-to-dawn music, had one final binge before returning to their homes near and far. Knowing they would be partying on well into the next morning, the potential revelers were enjoying a little R&R in the student accommodation blocks, so the campus was quiet and deserted. All but for one couple, our next-door neighbours, who we could hear through the thick stone brick walls. David, how could you? You knew how much this night meant to me. I've bought a new dress and spent hours finding these sandals to match. You've got to wear a suit. Well, I've got one, a black one, he ventured hopefully. Her voice was shrill and highly excited. His was hesitant and a little dour. A track suit, she retorted in venom. Oh, David, really? Now the voice changed tactics. Low, sultry, and persuasive. Love, it's only 10.30. If you started home now, you've got time to pick up that nice dark great serge you wore at the social last week. If you left now, you would be back in time for tea. Lounging as we were in the comfortable old chairs on the small patio outside our room, we both frowned and shook our heads. We knew that home was Benalla, 200 kilometres south of the city, a long haul for a suit. You're joking. His voice was incredulous. Phyllis, be fair. It would take two and a half hours to get there, then working against the traffic three hours back. She was not going to give up. Now she honed in to advantage. But David, you've got at least five perfectly good suits back there. Yes, one for each day of the week. And I've been wearing them for 40 years. I have to. But I told you when we met, when I step out of the Friday suit at 5pm, I don't step back into the Monday suit until 8am on Monday morning. I hate them. The dispute raged on until noon, but as we ventured out for a light lunch in the local takeaway, we passed Phyllis with a smile of victory on her lips. Dave is having a doze. I'm just on my way to the hairdressers. Do me a favour and give a bang on the door if he isn't up by 2pm. He's going to meet me and we're going to suit hire. 
It turned out that the smile didn't last too long, as although the obedient David met up with his good lady at the right time, by five o'clock it was only too apparent that there were no suits for hire anywhere in Melbourne City on New Year's Eve. We spent the beautiful sunny afternoon going for a leisurely stroll around the local area, only returning to our room at 6pm. Glancing in through the open door of our neighbour's room, we both suppressed giggles to see David standing on a chair, wearing a brand new grey suit. Phil was crouching in front of him, carefully cutting along the trouser cuff crease with nail scissors. He acknowledged us ruefully with a grim smile as he fingered the $200 price tag on the equally too long arm cuffs. I've got five of these blighters back home already, he said. They fit perfectly, yet she persuaded me to buy another one, which is far too long and twice the price. Having had a fairly active afternoon and knowing a supper would be served at the party later on, we had decided to utilise the limited cooking facilities in our room and prepare a scant evening meal from the week's leftovers. We sat outside enjoying a glass of wine as Dave and Phyllis left their room to make their way across the grassy quad towards the university dining room, which had been decorated for the New Year festivities. The air was heavy and humid, and certainly not conducive to any comfort David may have expected in his sartorial elegance. He looked hot, awkward, and ill at ease. Phyllis looked magnificent in electric blue sequins. They had taken no more than a couple of dozen steps towards the inviting, jaunty sounds when something both strange, yet predictably Melbourne, happened. The heavens opened, the rain crashed like an avalanche against them, and thunder and lightning struck simultaneously. Within seconds, they were both drenched. As was their nature, both reacted differently. David turned back, back to the warmth and comfort of the room they had just vacated. Phil ran towards her goal, the dance hall. Within a moment, David realised he had made the wrong decision, and gallant and chivalrous to the fore, he turned, ran back to his lady, and in a sweeping motion, removed his jacket to hold over the $300 sequins and $50 hairdo. But the chivalrous gesture came at a price. Any five-foot, five-inch man trying to hold a coat over a high-heeled, five-foot-eight-inch woman with big hair is not the most stable combination. The stretching movement caused the still too long trousers to slip beneath the heel of his shoe. With one fluid movement, he did a half-turn, catching Phil on her stilettos, and both landed in a mixture of arms, legs, and mud. The storm raged for almost two hours, and then just as quickly as it had begun, it stopped, leaving a clear, moonlit sky. We decided this was a good time for us to leave and join the happy throng that could be heard across the quad. As we left, we called out to our friends that we were going over. Yes, we're coming too, called out Dave from next door. They had showered and changed, but were still rather subdued after their drenching. With hair quickly washed and blow-dried, Phil was now dressed in her second posh frock. David was warm and comfortable in his cosy, but clean, black tracksuit. 
The late evening could not have been better, warm with a benign light wind. We picked our way between the puddles, the music getting loud, rhythmic and inviting, and the laughter of the jazz-goers indicating they were enjoying every note. The four of us walked in to join them. It was immediately evident that most of the party-goers had been there all evening, and hardly been aware of the violent storm we had just witnessed. The women looked gorgeous. Fancy frocks and fancy hairdos showcased the skills of the stylists of Melbourne, and every man, with no exception, was dressed in either tracksuits or shorts. You have been listening to Pride Comes Before a Fall, written and read by Brianda Cross. If you enjoy our stories, please show this by giving us a thumbs up on iTunes or your podcast platform. Thank you.